This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. And welcome to episode number two of Baldy's Breakdowns as we prepare for the 2020 NFL season. We're all hoping it's going to start on time. We hope everybody is safe and well and healthy and practicing social distancing. Baldy, you and I are doing that right now. You're in one location at NFL Films. I'm at the home studio. How's everything going? How are you holding up? Well, I'm fine. You know, um, being a film junkie, Jason, I, I practice social distancing just about every single day. I'm kind of locked in this uh, dark film room here, usually by myself. Whenever I get visitors or former coaches that come in here and, and swear they want to study film with me, they usually wake me up by or they, they usually fall asleep in here. And I'm, I'm running out to get them cups of coffee. So there's nobody in here right now. We had a good group at NFL Films doing, you know, football frenzy and you know, free agency here the last two days. It's been fun seeing a lot of guys, but I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do to try and uh, basically help out the situation that we're in. Yeah, but you're having fun because, and I want to applaud you guys because the NFL, they did catch a little bit of guff for, you know, you know, going along with the league year, despite what's going on. But to me, it has been a stroke of genius because there are no sports going on. And the NFL offseason is got my got my full attention as it always does, but it's providing me tremendous entertainment. And this year, like most years, maybe even to a, a higher degree, this year has been tremendous theater. It has, and it really kicked off this morning, Jason, when Tom Brady sent wow. out a social media note, basically detaching himself and saying goodbye to New England, the organization, and to the fans. It was a long soliloquy that he wrote and posted, and that happened around. 9.20 this morning, and that really was something I don't think that even it was, even as it was discussed and had been discussed um, long since sort of the, the end of the season and all the way through this offseason thus far, nobody really believed, even former teammates and current players in New England didn't really believe it was going to happen until it happened. And so, you know, the most, um, I don't know, the most decorated quarterback that we have ever seen in the history of this game is leaving uh, the, you know, the number one franchise in this business. And so it really is, is fascinating. And it has been, I mean, we have talked about it for seven or eight straight hours right now, Jason, and it's going to be talked about throughout the day until he gets signed, whenever that is. Um, he's gone dark since he made that statement. He hasn't come out and hasn't really surfaced anywhere, which he's sort of just letting it settle. But you're right. I, I think the league thought about, I think as the league does, they have a great PR uh, feel for most things, not everything. They, they definitely have their share of screw-ups. But I think they thought long and hard about where we're at with this global disaster that we're all trying to get through. 
And really what free agency and the start of the league year, which begins tomorrow, what that is, and in the climate that we're in where there are no current sports being played at any level, just what this could be. And it is a good distraction. I think fans are loving it. It's take if you're gonna practice social distancing, then get in front of the TV, get on your, you know, get on your second screen or third screen and call this thing. I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it's it's been consuming me and it's been a healthy distraction in a very uncertain time. But Baldy, um, so a lot of the reports out there that Tom Brady, the likely destination is that it's going to be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and there's a trickle-down effect to that with Jameis Winston, and there's a trickle-down effect to a lot of these moves around the NFL. Is is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a good fit for Tom Brady from a football standpoint? Two good receivers? I don't believe so. I just don't. I mean, I I understand that people just say, okay, you know, it's uh, Chris Godwin, it's Michael Evans. I mean, I mean, Jameis Winston threw 5,100 yards last year, mostly because he had to. Their secondary wasn't very good. They were playing catch-up. Um, he threw 30 interceptions along the way, which is just dreadful. And a lot of the interceptions are just terrible. But, you know, they didn't have answers against the New Orleans Saints. The coach didn't have answers against the Saints this year. I did that game. There was no place for, Jay- for Jameis Winston to go with the ball. Their defense was, although they took the ball away, they improved. Um, Devin White got better. Shaq Barrett had a career year. Uh, they're not a great defense. You know, Tom Brady has always, almost always played with a great defense. Um, I don't know, you know, organizationally, he's coming from a place that is just airtight, totally committed to winning on, on every single level. And I, you can't say that about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they, they, they've been one of the worst franchises in football over the last, you know, ever since John Gruden left. They, they don't sell out. Uh, the stadium doesn't sell out. The Super Bowl is there next year. There will be a buzz about that. But if you watch the way they play football, I mean, they throw a lot of go balls to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That's not what Brady does. It's, you know, outside of two years with Randy Moss, it's he never really has played that style of football. Um, you know, he's totally content with checking it down to James White and to a, a number of running backs. Uh, the tight ends, they have two of them there, Cam Brate and O.J. Howard. And they don't, they're not really a part of the offense, although you know, we know that Brady has played with the Hall of Fame and tight end that changed the way the game was played. So I, I, there's just, to me, I, I know they need a quarterback, and I'm sure that you could say Bruce Arians has worked with Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer and Andrew Luck and all these different guys, but that doesn't really, I, I, that's not enough. That's not enough for me. For him, yeah, I think he's thinking about every single thing that's out there right now, and they don't look like they're ready to jump the New Orleans Saints and win the division right now. Yeah, and there's no upside at 42 years old to tarnish a legacy and go somewhere and lose horribly and not look good doing it. That That's part of the equation as well. Baldy, i got to ask you about the deal that happened yesterday mm-hmm. because I'm still, if I had a hair on my head, I'd be pulling them all out if I was a, a fan of the Houston Texans. But what is going on with the DeAndre Hopkins trade uh, for, I mean, for an injured running back and a fourth round pick? It just it, this looks like a horrible, massively lopsided deal. It's like one you would hear on the phones on sports radio and you would laugh at. Only it happened in the NFL. So who's the only team without a current general manager? Yeah, that would be the Houston the Texans. Houston Texans. Yep. So you need look the, the job. There's nobody that can do everything. And, you, you know, Billy both. O'Brien yeah. can come out of the New England Patriots and see that Bill Belichick does that. He's just a different cat. 
and he has certain personnel people that he does lean on. But I mean, this you you know they 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 haven't handled many situations very well, and so David Johnson got clearly beat out by Kenyon Drake uh, last year, and you know outside of one good year where he had 2,000 total yards three years ago. I mean, really has not been a productive player. He's either been an injured or unproductive player. Uh, I would say that Duke Johnson there in Houston is a better player than they are. Carlos Hyde is a better player right now than David Johnson. So to lose your best player, and I to say that DeAndre Hopkins is their best player is probably an understatement. I've seen him literally play street ball with Deshaun Watson and win. Game, not just win, but win games, win downs. I saw him go to Kansas City last year and beat the Chiefs. And if it was third and three, DeAndre Hopkins got you four yards. Um, like He's just a different type of player. You can line him up anywhere. He plays well with Deshaun Watson. Um, to say that, okay, well, we've got Kenny Stills and we've got Will Fuller and whoever we might, and Didi, you know, Didi, uh, Kiki Kuti. They're, they're not DeAndre Hopkins. They're all number twos or number threes. And so uh, – it's shocking. Now you're asking I don't think one got, of those guys to be a number one. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody will have to unless they <laughs> the can draft one. But I, I yeah. they they did not get good value if you're going to trade away the number one in some people's minds, as good a receiver as there is in the NFL right now. Well, the one thing too, Baldy, and you know, the optics of it don't look great when all of a sudden you see a trade and Diggs goes to the Bills and you see that return. Two questions in regards to that. First of all, does that make Bill O'Brien sit you know, kind of on shaky ground with his job after they see the return that the uh, the Minnesota Vikings got for Diggs in that trade to the Bills? And did that trade in any way affect Tom Brady's decision? Well, um, does it affect Tom Brady's decision? What's, what's the connection, Jason? Well, that the Bills are in that division. He goes, oh, look at the Bills are going to be coming now. Maybe it's time to cut bait and get out of this AFC East. Well, I mean, I— well, backing down from a fight. <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, Tom Brady's not backing down from any fight. Um, you know, people have, I mean, I, I went back, I think as early as November said that, you know, Tom Brady in Miami might make sense. So they're going to have all the draft capital and free agent money that they have been spending. And he's very familiar with Brian Flores and Chris Greer and a lot of people down there in Miami. And he could play the Patriots twice a year. Uh, the Bills have been building this thing the right way. I mean, every they haven't made very many wrong moves, but you know, we, we know the coach pretty well here from Philadelphia. Um, but you look at how they have built this from the day that they drafted, you know, Josh Allen. I mean, they have done it the right way. The offensive line, the weapons. Now they add a true number one wide receiver that wanted out of Minnesota. Um, you look at what they're doing defensively. They gave the, the Patriots all they could handle. In fact, Tom Brady had his worst game since 2006 in their first game against the Patriots a year ago. So I think the Bills you know, are are in a position right now to really make a move to probably take over the AFC East at this point. Yeah, it was a system, like a, a, a multi-tiered plan that Sean McDermott and the Bills came up with, and they're executing it year by year, and they're slowly growing up to be one of those teams that's going to be a massive contender in the AFC, and he's a, he's a hell of a coach as well. Um, mm -hmm. Mariota to the Raiders. Now, we all know that your former colleague, Mike Mayock, loved Marcus Mariota in that draft. He didn't have any success, uh, not a lot of success, at least, uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Now he's a Raider. Is this a good fit, Baldy? Well, you know, if you if you look at 
say, say you, you look at Ryan Tannehill. You know, Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. leaves Miami last year and he goes to Tennessee to back up Marcus Mariota. And nobody really thought that Mariota would get benched like he was when they were two and four. And that, you know, Ryan Tannehill would go seven and three down the stretch, win a couple of playoff games and basically be the highest rated quarterback in the league. No, nobody thought that could happen. So you take a guy like Marcus Mariota and maybe it lights a fire under Derek Carr. Maybe he plays better. Maybe he feels competition. Um, maybe if they struggle at some point, they make a move and make a switch, and Mariota gets a chance. So, I mean, I think there's really current history here to say, okay, Marcus Mariota. I mean, there's always a carousel of quarterbacks moving. You know, uh, Nick Foles comes to Philadelphia. Who would have thought that Nick Foles could, you know, bring home the only championship banner the Eagles have ever, you know, earned? So these things have a habit sometimes. Jason, of working out in ways that you could never have predicted. And competition, even at the quarterback position, is sometimes really necessary to bring out the best, not in only maybe in the starter, but maybe the guy that's going there. So I think it's a good place. He's got an excellent offensive line. He's got a great back. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a, a obviously a coach that is all in on this deal. Otherwise, the deal wouldn't have gotten done. So I think it's a good situation for Marcus right now. Me go there as a backup, earn the respect of the players, go compete. Anything happens, who knows? Maybe he's the next Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and the thing is, and let's talk about Tannehill because he signs the big ticket, Baldy. And I saw this uh, tweet from Dan Orlovsky uh, regarding Ryan Tannehill, and he said, I don't think it's totally accurate about you know the quarterback that a lot of people perceive him to be. Because if you take away his rookie year, because it's rookie season and growing pains, he sits at 133 career touchdowns and 68 interceptions, most of that done while playing for Miami, which was not a great situation. Is Tannehill a guy that is better than we all thought? We kind of saw that last year. And do you like the, the ticket that he signed in Tennessee? Well, Tennessee had a decision to make, Jason. Were they were they going to be in the free agent frenzy here for one of these quarterbacks, whether it was Teddy Bridgewater or Cam Newton's now Brady. on the market? We're going to be on, in the market for somebody like that. Or were they going to try and get Tannehill on a franchise tag? And then what do you do with Derrick Henry? Do you sign? So they had like a lot of decisions to make. And at the end, they said, we like this guy. We really like him. And we feel like he's what we saw last year is who he is. Now, I sat in a film room at the Pro Bowl with him and Kurt Warner. We did a film session with Ryan Tannehill. When you sit there and you watch film with Ryan Tannehill, he really changes your whatever preconceived thoughts you had about him. He he really knows what he's looking at. Uh, he is an outstanding athlete, obviously wide receiver, Texas A&M before he was a quarterback. Um, he's got all the size and arm strength that you want in any prospect. And so they're not in a position to get any of these top tier quarterbacks in the draft. They really were left with going, it's not a bad option. And so it's 62 guaranteed million dollars. It's 118 million. You probably have the numbers in front of you, Jason. I mean, they just felt like we got the running back, we got the quarterback back, we got to replace the right tackle, um, full speed ahead. You know, let's let's uh, let's build upon it. So uh, I thought Tennessee did what they probably felt like they had to do. And if you go back and watch the 13 starts Tannehill had, they were pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's amazing because if you look at the numbers between Mariota when he quarterbacked the team last year and uh, Henry. 69.3 rushing yards per game, 3.6 per rush, 4.2 first downs per game. But when Tannehill came in, 130.8 rushes, rushing yards per game, 5.8 yards per rush, and 6.3 first downs per game. 
Tannehill, well, you could say that, well, you know, he had Henry, so that makes him great. Well, it didn't make Mariota great, and Tannehill kind of made Derrick Henry even better. Well, I, I don't dispute the numbers. But, you know, mm-hmm. Tennessee, like, you have to really look a little, like, really close here. I mean, they were rotating Derrick Henry with Deion Lewis. And they had yeah. been doing it the year before. And I asked Derrick Henry about that at the uh, Super Bowl this year. Like, how could they put Deion Lewis out there? I mean, in trying to win games now. I mean, not as a change of pace back. I mean, f- full series. Like, you just rotated backs. And that's kind of how they ran Derrick Henry. And then, you know, whether it was Vrabel or, you know, the new offense coordinator, they finally got smart and said, Derrick Henry's our best player. Like, let's put the ball in his belly. You know, more than 15 times a game. So, it kind of coincided with Derrick Henry. Now, I'll say this, Jason. Um, the day Ryan Tannehill came in, they, they were playing the Chargers at home, and they won a game that they could have lost. I mean, the, the Chargers scored at the end of the game. They ruled it wasn't a touchdown, uh, you know, and then Melvin Gordon fumbled, and they won a the game. But from the moment he took over, he got the ball to his wide receivers. And that's something Mariota could not do consistently. And this A.J. Brown took off with, uh, with him in there. And – uh, Corey Davis took off and, you know, the slot receiver they signed for Tampa Bay took off. So he got the ball to the wide receivers and it did open things up for Derrick Henry. Well, speaking of wide receivers, let's go to one who is staying put, Amari Cooper. He did test the waters a little bit. It seems seems like the Redskins may have been involved, but ultimately he opts to return to the Dallas Cowboys. We know that what they gave up for him, including that first round pick a couple years ago, Baldy. Uh, but he signs a big ticket as well. $100 million deal for Amari Cooper. Um, do you like the deal? They, they end up putting uh, the franchise tag on Dak Prescott, and they're going to retain him. But keeping Cooper is, is paramount for that team, especially when you consider what they gave up uh, a year about a year or so ago. Well, you know, Mike McCarthy's always had a number one wide receiver in Green Bay. I mean, you go back to the history of Green Bay. I mean, they've always, I mean, Sterling Sharp, I mean, go all the way back. They've always had a proven number one. They've got one there right now. And so he needs, a, you you. That system they're going to run, you need an X receiver that can just go beat man coverage. Now, before Amari Cooper came there in the trade, they didn't know anybody that could beat man coverage. In fact, if you look at the first game he played at, um, it was against the Tennessee Titans. The Cowboys were three and four. They were struggling uh, mightily. And remember the second play of the game that he was in against Tennessee, you know, the ball went to him. The first touchdown of the game went to Amari Cooper. Now, I was talking to some scouts from the Eagles, and we were talking about some of these receivers in this draft upcoming, and everybody, you know, sort of will say that it's a very deep draft of wide receivers. I don't doubt that. But, and sometimes these metrics get overplayed, but there's one short shuttle, the 20 yard shuttle is one of the metrics I do pay attention for wide receivers. And there wasn't one wide receiver in this entire class that broke four seconds in the 20 yard shuttle. If you go back and watch Amari Cooper coming out of Alabama, he, he his was a 397. Like he's got Ooh. elite. Burst. Short area quickness, like elite, like striking, like lightning strikes type quickness. And when he's allowed to, and I, I sat with the film session this year, and it frustrated. He's a little bit of a different type of character because he's very quiet, almost like incredibly shy, until you really start talking about the game, and then you realize this guy, he really understands the game. And re- if you allow him to use his route running ability. He's going to win for you. I don't care if it's Devon Gilmore, who, whoever he's playing. He's going to win. But if you don't and you just have him run spacing routes and all this stuff, he's just a guy. So I think Mike McCarthy will realize that they got a guy. And if you're playing man coverage and every team plays some level of it, um, you got a guy that can beat just about anybody out there right now. 
Yeah, well, and that's a team a lot of people uh, a lot of people are looking at right now as the class of the division. Let's move to another team in the division because it's a, a couple. It's a departure, two departures. Jordan Howard, but that's not the big one. It's uh, the safety, Malcolm Jenkins. The Eagles and Malcolm Jenkins apparently did speak Baldy, but they were unable to come to an agreement. Eagles didn't want to go where he wanted to get paid, so he's going to hit the market now. It creates a hole with the safety position for the Eagles where they're going to move Jalen Mills, who signed a one-year deal. What do you think of that combination of moves and also losing Jordan Howard? Well, I don't like losing Malcolm Jenkins, but I understand it. I mean, you talk to the Eagles, they want to get younger and faster at every level of defense. They thought they were slow last year and old. And Malcolm Jenkins fits into that category. But, you know, they I thought Jim Schwartz has done a, a masterful job of playing Ma- Malcolm Jenkins at his best area, which is right at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's he, he's their dime linebacker. He gets everybody lined up. He can cover tight ends. Um, but if you put him 15 yards deep at free safety, he's going he, he's, he's to struggle a little bit. Um, they, they're going to bring back Rodney McLeod. So they can at least fill their defense right now. But th- I think they're far from finished making moves here in free agency. And then they've got 11 draft picks. Uh, I think, you know, the secondary is going to get uh, a lot of attention when it comes to this draft. So they're going to get younger and faster. Whether they can get the football IQ that Malcolm Jenkins brings every single day to that organization, they're not going to replace that part of it. Yeah, that's the intangibles. I mean, Baldy, I think he missed like 60 snaps in his time with the Eagles. 60 snaps. Didn't miss one single practice and obviously not a game. I mean, in today's NFL, that's almost one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. And the way he played the game. Well, you know, that was a Chip Kelly signing. And, um, you know, a lot of people kind of question. Darius Bird was the other guy. (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I mean, you got to kind of give Chip a little credit there. Some of the coaches and some of the players he brought in have been really worthwhile. Uh, But Malcolm, you know, I mean, he started off as a corner. Moved to safety, always had corner skills. But if you just go out to any practice, I mean, Malcolm Jenkins is, he's talking to the secondary coach, he's talking to Schwartz, he's getting guys lined up. Uh, when guys make mistakes, he's covering for them. Um, I, I've done film sessions with, with Malcolm Jenkins. You always learn something about the game from him. Uh, and he's, look, the conversation with the Eagles probably involved uh, a pretty sizable haircut to stay. And Malcolm Jenkins is just, he shouldn't take a pay cut. He's been too good of a football player for too long. Somebody, and safeties always are on this carousel in free agency. They always get moved around. He'll get signed, and he'll probably get at or near what he thinks he's that he's worth. Yeah, well, the Eagles also made another deal, Baldy, and they get some uh, help on the D-line. They pick up Hargraves from uh, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, a guy to play alongside Fletcher Cox. They've committed a lot of money to the D-line. They still have some other holes to fill. How do you like the Hargrave signing? Well, I love it. I, I mean, I love uh, Javon Hargraves a, a, as a person. I love him as a player. I mean, he's got uh, unbelievable power. Um, like, he can just about take any guard in this business, and he can walk him back pretty good. Uh, um, he made Cam Howard, Hayward better last year. Cam Hayward is 31 years old. He had his best season. He made Bud Dupree better last year. He had his best season. T.J. Watt had his – everybody improved because his ability to push the pocket inside. Um, look, this uh, the, the, the signings that they have had inside over the last few years have not worked out for the Eagles. And so this is, uh, they, they need, they believe, obviously, in building their offensive and defensive lines that has worked for them. 
when they won a Super Bowl, they rotated eight defensive linemen all year to keep guys like Brandon Graham, it paid off, and guys like Fletcher Cox healthy and healthy and rested by the time they got to January and then February. And that's not going to change. They need to be eight deep. And so you can't just put anybody out there. You need guys that can affect the quarterback um, for every single play. And Javon is he's a hell of a player, man. He's 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 a he's a great guy. He's 25 years old. Um, he, he played 75 percent of the snaps for Pittsburgh last year. A high number at that position. Um, it's a good sign. Really good sign. Yeah, no question. And uh, two guys there that can throw a lineman uh, to the other end of the field with he and Cox. Uh, so you're talking about getting pressure on quarterbacks, and we know that's paramount in today's NFL. So let's talk about some more quarterbacks. Let's go to Phillip Rivers, who's going to sign a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts worth $25 million. He's going to pack up everybody from San Diego, uh, get a shorter commute, and he's going to play for the Colts this year. How do you like this fit? Because it's been an interesting year and a half or so for the Colts with the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck you know, right before last season and everything that went along with that. So what, what does this do for the Colts? Well, I think if you, you know, I, I played for the Colts. I know Jimmy Ursay. He wants another championship in Indianapolis bad. And I think Chris Ballard is a very good talent evaluator. I think he's an excellent general manager. And if you talk to Chris Ballard uh, about Jacoby Brissett, everybody will say nice things about Jacoby Brissett because they're all, everything that they say about him is true, except he has to play better. And so Philip Rivers was not very good last year, to be honest with you, especially at the end of games. Um, now, you can say it's the offensive line's fault, and okay. But, you know, he made some poor decisions against the Oakland Raiders at the end of the game, chance to win a poor decision against the Detroit Lions, chance to win the game, poor decision against the Kansas City Chiefs with a seven-point game to try to win the game. I mean, his decision-making was not very good. But he is very, very competitive. He'll play behind the best offensive line he's ever played behind in Indianapolis. He played for Frank Reich for three years and Nick Sirianni for three years uh, with the Chargers. So he's very familiar with how they think, how they operate. So there's, I think it's a, it's a great fit. I think it's the only fit, to be honest with you, for Phillip Rivers right now. And that's why I think it's only a one-year deal. Let's give it a shot. Let's, uh, we don't See, believe we like each other. Division, we like each other. We got to upgrade the quarterback position. We can't do anything more. We just extended Anthony Costanzo. He had his best year ever as a pro. We got the all-pro left guard. Uh, we, we've got a good running back stable. The, the wide receivers have to stay healthy. The defense, you know, with the Forrest Buckner right now and what they did with Justin Houston last year, I mean, it's going it, to it's gonna keep building. Um, so all the pieces are there. And, look, Peyton Manning won there. I mean, it, it's a good town. It's a great sports town. Uh, they will support Philip Rivers uh, way more than the Chargers have, especially over the last two years. So I think it's a good signing. I think it's a I think it's a good fit, and I think it's the best fit for Philip Rivers. Yeah, and you also alluded to it the, the DeForest Buckner trade. Uh, they give up their first round pick, the 13th overall pick, does the Colts to get Buckner. A little bit of a head scratcher for me from a San Francisco standpoint, depleting that defense a little bit. What did you think of the that trade and the value they got in return for him to get that 13th overall pick? Well, they had a decision to make. I mean, they had both Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner were both free agents. And so they made a decision. You know, Eric Armstead has flexibility. He can play tackle or end, uh, depending on, you know, whatever Robert Sala wants to do. Uh, and really, Armstead was a better player this year. DeForest Buckner did have 15 sacks last year. He came out of the draft with uh, Joey Boza. I thought 
you could have flipped a coin between the two of them. I thought they were both really good players. Mm -hmm. And so really the Colts, they get, um, you know, look, they, they gave up a number one pick. The 49ers can, they didn't, they've got a 13th pick in the draft in the 31st pick right now. And they were pretty deep on the defensive line last year. So you keep Boza, you keep Armstead, you keep, uh, you know, Sally Thomas. I mean, you keep a lot of the pieces there. Um, you lose one and you couldn't pay them all. And the fact that they lose to Forrest Buckner allowed them to also sign uh, their safety as well, which was a, a really important piece for them to do. No question about it. Uh, Baldy, let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater and Cam Newton. Bridgewater going to Carolina and now Cam Newton and uh, the Carolina Panthers seeking a trade for Cam Newton. Um, first of all, does Bridgewater fit into that team well? Can they can he take them where Cam has not been able to, at least since that year they went to the Super Bowl and he was the MVP? And where's the likely landing spot for a guy like Cam Newton at this point in his career? Well, I mean, you, you have to look. You always connect the dots here, right, Jason? So, you know, Joe Brady was in New Orleans with the Saints, was there with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy could have left last year, could have left for the Miami Dolphins. There was, you know, a contract out there for him. But if you talk to Teddy, um, he was never in a rush. He he learned every day from Drew Brees and Sean Payton and Joe Brady and uh, Lombardi, like everybody that was there. I think he learned about leadership. I think he learned offense. Um, I think he's, you know, when he got a chance to play this year, he was 5-0 and as a starter. Um, he played the best football he's ever played. Uh, he didn't, and, and, the, and the great thing about Teddy is he never tries to do too much. He's not a scrambler. He's not a runner. He's not going to extend plays, but he is smart. He's going to take the defense gives him. And I think at this stage right now with Matt Rule coming in there, Joe Brady, let's let's go with somebody that Joe Brady knows, he's worked with, he knows what he's going to get, and he's healthy. We don't know. I'm not here to knock or bash Cam Newton, but we don't know coming off the Liz Frank injury, coming off the shoulder injury, coming off an ankle injury, how healthy he is and how ready he is, how hungry he is. And so I think Matt Rule, like, Give me Teddy Bridgewater. Let's let's we'll draft somebody. You know, we drafted a kid out of West Virginia last year. You know, you know we've got Kyle Allen. Like, let's just get this thing started. We're not in a rush. Matt Rule's not going anywhere. Uh, they could get in the quarterback market next year if they need to. But let's go with a young Teddy Bridgewater who was five and zero as a starter this year and understands what we want to do offensively. And, and you know Matt Rule really well, and he's got a long contract there in Carolina. Is part of this too, Baldy? Just trying to turn the page and change the culture of that locker room. And, you know, Cam's been such the face of the organization and the franchise for so long now. And this is Matt Rule coming in saying, look, I want to change things. I want to start fresh and anew. And to do that with Cam here is probably pretty tough to do. Well, you got a new owner. Okay. You've got uh, a new coach, uh, Robert Tepper's, you know, second year owner. Uh, Luke Keekley retires. Like all the leadership is gone. You know, I mean, Ron Rivera is gone. Uh, you know, the owner before is gone, uh, you know, Cam Newton. I mean, it's, 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 this is what you get to do when you have a new owner and a new coach, you can start kind of fresh. And that's kind of where the Panthers are right now. They, in some regards, they're almost like the expansion team that they were in 95. Like we're, you know, their, their best corner just left. Uh, let's build this thing the way Matt rule usually builds it usually from scratch. And all they do is improve each year. And, you know, by the third year, they're usually pretty competitive. Uh, and that's his track record at, uh, you know, at Temple. That's his track record at Baylor. 
I think by the time you get to the third year right now, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to be competitive, very competitive, not just in the NFC South, but in the NFC. He's like an episode of Fixer Upper. He comes in and gets in a house when when it's got a lot of issues, but then turns it into a gem. Now, he's, he's look, he's going to be in Carolina for a long time because he signed that long contract, and that was the goal to get to the NFL. Baldy, you know him really well. Uh, how quickly did you know that he was a guy that was going to be a really good uh, head coach, both at the college level and then make his way to the NFL? What is it about him that's special? Uh, you know, I think um, the first time I went to actually watch him coach was in training camp at Temple. They started with a team tackling drill. They did that every day. And every drill was live tackling. Uh, and he, he came to me at some point during practice and he said, you see anybody on the sideline hurt Baldy? I go, no. He goes, we got to condition our players to be hit. And um, he's always stress contact and full contact drills. And I know, you know, the NFL is limited by what you can do, but he's going to get the most out of his players. He's going to build toughness from the inside out. He's going to make you tougher, not just physically tougher. He's going to make you mentally tougher. He's going to challenge you. Um, he connects really, really well with uh, with anybody on a football team. I, you know, his father was a was a preacher, raised in New York City. Really, you know, they they worked a lot of homeless shelters growing up. I mean, I think he can walk through any room, and I think Matt Rule can connect with just anybody. He brought Phil Snow, his defense coordinator, from Temple to Baylor to here with him. He's got Joe Brady. I mean, I just think he's put together a good staff. He's thought long and hard about all of this. He's got an owner that obviously believes in him. Um, he spent a year with Tom Coughlin with the New York Giants. That was all about toughness. It really reconfirmed everything that he believed about coaching and how you have to do it. And so I think he learned a lot from Tom. But it doesn't take long if you're around Matt Rule at practice or down this. I've been on the sidelines for many games where he's been coaching uh, to be around him, to see what kind of leader he is. He's not calling plays, uh, he, but he's in charge of the whole game and the whole team and the whole organization. And that's what he wants to be. The way Tom Coughlin was, the way, uh, you know, a, a lot of the great coaches are. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be the, the true general. leader of the team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's going to have uh, success down there in Carolina. We all know that. Uh, real good guy as well. Uh, Baldy, so it begs the question, um, with this trickle-down effect of Rivers – going to Indy and and obviously Jameis is going to be out there and now Cam's looking for a home. There could be some QBs out there available for trade to for teams to move up in a draft or whatever. You, you mentioned Derek Carr earlier, Jameis Winston uh, and Phillip Rivers and now Cam. Uh, how do these quarterbacks shake out? Does, does a guy like Derek Carr, is he going to stay there and be the starter with the Raiders or do they try and move him and, and get Mariota in there? Or where does Cam end up? Is he a possibility in Chicago? And is there a trickle-down effect on Mitch Trubisky? What's the trickle-down effect of this glut of quarterbacks that are either on shaky ground with their with their franchises or are looking for a new home? Well, I mean, I think I you know, I think you have to see what Brady does. You know, I mean, if Brady signs for the Chargers and he's out of Tampa, then what does Tampa do? Uh, there's no Teddy Bridgewater to go to. I mean, are they stuck with Jameis Winston? Do they trade Jameis Winston? I mean, you know, one it, it is a, do, a game of dominoes. It always is at quarterbacks. Uh, there's, you know, if you if you go back and you study the history of the NFL, Jason, I know you have. But when it's a 12-team league, there wasn't enough good starting quarterbacks. There's not enough good starting quarterbacks. And so um, that's what, you know, the infusion of the college draft this year. I mean, people are going to draft Jordan Love high, and they're going to draft Tua, and they're going to draft uh, Joe Burrow. And, um, you know, and so, but you got to get through free agency first. 
and probably figure out who wants to fill their spots. I mean, is Miami, are they in the college draft? Is Ryan Fitzpatrick and, I don't know, is Cam Newton? I mean, Cam Newton is going to be on the block here right now. Teams are probably talking about him. What's the compensation? You know, in this era of, you know, COVID-19, can anybody give Cam Newton a physical? You know, can he can he pass a physical? I mean, those are some of the point. questions you have to ask. You have to – nobody's going to sign him. Nobody's going to trade for him unless they feel like they can get him a clean bill of health. So that may delay a bunch of this stuff, um, just the situation that we're in right now as, as, a global, as a global economy. Yeah, no question about it, Baldy. Uh, let's get to five questions with Baldy. We do this at the end of uh, every episode here on episode two. You passed the first test in uh, the first episode. Let's see how you do this time, all right? We're putting you on the, put you on the clock right. again. Now, question number one for Baldy. Which team has won the free agency period so far? Well, Tough there's a lot of ways. Eh, it's a lot of ways. I mean, you could say Miami has spent a lot of money. You expected them yeah. to. Um, you know, I think they got some really good players. But, um, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, they keep Kenyon Drake, and they get DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, you go, okay, like they, they've done a lot already. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers kept both Shaq Barrett and uh, – you know, the other defensive end, right? I mean, they kept a lot of people in-house. So I think, you know, that's that. I mean, the Buffalo Bills got themselves a number one wide receiver. Uh, I think that's huge for the development of Josh Allen to go with uh, Smoke Brown and to go with, uh, you know, everybody else that they have added to that team right now uh, over the last two years. So I, I think sometimes, you know, we just look at players that got signed and they got a boatload of money. But sometimes you got to look at teams that have done a lot with what they have right now. And I think that's a big part of it, too. All right. So question number two for Baldy is kind of a, a, a second part to question number one. Now, winning the offseason in the NFL and the free agent period has not really translated to wins on the field most often. Now, with all this high-end QB, you know, QB movement around the league and high-end players and receivers and everything that's happened, will the winning this offseason actually be different and, and drastically put a team into contention? It looks like it could. Well, I, you know, I mean, I, I mean, if you go back 2017, the Eagles had a pretty good offseason. You know, Alshon mm-hmm. Jeffrey came in, and I mean, they, they added a lot of pieces that really paid off for them. Like Garrett Blunt, I mean, was a big signing for them, a big part of, of what they did. Um, you know, they they added a lot of pieces in that year that helped. One of those them were win. show me deals, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jernigan. I mean, there was a lot of deals that they did yeah. that year. Chris Patrick Long was a yeah. Chris Long was a million dollar deal. I mean, you know, do they beat the Minnesota Vikings if he doesn't get the ball? You know, uh, enforce a pick six. You know, in the first. So, I mean, I, sometimes you have to look all the way through this free agency thing to see. You know, people that probably didn't think they won it, but if you look at them, Super Bowl Sunday, they had a lot of pieces that were part of a, a Super Bowl championship team, and so. Uh, but I, I think you have to always be looking to improve your team and improve the competitiveness of your team and also trying to find the perfect football chemistry for your locker room. And that's what the Eagles did in 17. That's what the Patriots have always tried to do. Um, and I think if you look at what Kansas City and what what the Chiefs did this year, I mean, Tyron Matthew was a big signing, but I don't think people looked at Bashad Breeland, Frank Clark. I mean, they did a lot in free agency last year that allowed them to win this year. All right, question number three for Baldy. Here we go. Question number three. 
Brady is out in New England. And we haven't talked about this yet. I saved it. Who's the next quarterback of the New England Patriots? Who are the contenders to be that quarterback? Is, is Nick Foles, oddly enough, a guy that could be up there playing at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough? Well, this I know. Belichick has given this a great deal of thought way before Tom Brady made his announcement this year. So Jared Stidham is there. He was a fourth-round pick out of Auburn. He's Stephenville High School. Art Browns recruited him at Baylor. Um, he played well in preseason. It's preseason. It's exhibition football. Um, I think he's in contention. There's no question about it. They've upgraded their offensive line now with the signing of Joe Tooney. Um, you know, if David Andrews comes back, they return an offensive line that won a Super Bowl. So I think whoever steps in is going to get that. But I, I'm, I'm not going to leave the Patriots out of this draft and the, the machinations and movements that they could do to go get one of these elite quarterbacks in this draft. I, I'm not going to put it past them. I don't believe that Andy Dalton is a fix for the, I, he just doesn't look like that type of a Patriot quarterback to me. So, although I know they played with Jacoby Brissett and they played with Jimmy Garoppolo and they played with, you know, Matt Castle, they played with a lot of guys that, you know, weren't household names, by, and they won games with all those guys. Uh, but this is a little bit different. This is going forward. So I think Jared Stidham's in it. But I, I think they're going to find a way to get in contention for one of these quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Bill Belichick took on a guy like Cam Newton, though. <laughs> that would be that'd be a fun uh, experiment to keep an eye on as we go through the season. All right, question number four for Baldy. The players, in a very close, they ratified the new CBA, Baldy. That brings labor peace, which we all love. There's not going to be any strike. There's not going to be any lockout. We love labor peace in our pro sports, and they've got it now. But with less practices and preseason games, is this deal actually a win for the players and the owners or one or the other? Well, as a former player, it's a win for me. I mean, all the former players, pre-93, are all getting a big bump in, you know, in, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to get a bigger checks uh, whenever I decide to, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, take my severance pay and, and all, that can, all that kind of stuff. But I think right now, look, I think – I think there could have been more negotiations that have gone on. I mean, the players are going to have a 17th game. They're going to have bigger rosters, more practice squad players. That's all good for the league. That's all good for players. Uh, it's not great for the XFL or any other leagues that are out there. There's going to be more players on an NFL team and more players dressed, and that's a good thing. You're going to have a chance to dress eight offensive linemen instead of seven. All those things are good. Um, I, think, I think it's a win. I mean, I know that the players could have negotiated more. I think the, the owners could have negotiated more. They could have gotten an 18-game schedule. They wanted an 18-game schedule. 18 games and two preseason games would have been a perfect 20-game schedule. Uh, so it's going to be odd right now with 17 games. So that, to me, always says, like, they're going to get an 18th game somehow. I don't know what they have to give up. But right now, I think both sides can, can, can point to some solid victories. Yeah, well, Dan Orlovsky broke this down. He said uh, – you know, adding the 17th game, that's about 70 snaps in a game. He said there's now 12 less padded practices in camp. A practice averages 50-plus snaps. That's 500 less padded practice contact snaps for players in exchange for that 70 more snaps in a 17th game. So he's calling it a massive health win for the Yeah, players. but that sounds like a quarterback. That sounds like a quarterback. Quarterbacks <laughs> wear, wear red jerseys. You know, look, I wouldn't have made the NFL if I couldn't have had padded practices if I couldn't go on live against Randy White every day. There's going to be a lot of players 
that aren't going to make the NFL because of the rule restrictions right now. So all the quarterbacks can get out there, and we all know what their names are about chiming in about um, about you know less contact is a better thing and longevity and all that. Um, but I would I would take exception to Orlovsky and any other quarterback that is kind of making that argument at this point. Yeah, I will say that he did say I, I was a QB, and I understand that I don't take the same beating my teammates do. So <laughs> I left that out because I no, knew it'd fire you up. I knew Dan would cover himself up like that. That's good. <laughs> I thought the bandana was going to come out when I brought that question up. <laughs> All right, question number five to put a bow on uh, episode number two of Baldy's Breakdowns. Here it is. Baldy, the NFL, like I said, we started here, decided to go ahead and keep the league year on schedule. It'll open tomorrow. Uh, they did receive some criticism, as we mentioned, and but I, for one, am very glad. But i got to ask you at NFL Network, and you've been putting in long days and a lot of time watching tape. How have you guys at NFL Network kept your eye on the ball, pardon the pun, and, and how's everybody been kind of holding up under these really difficult circumstances? I'd, I'd like a peek behind the NFL Network curtain. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look, if you watch a lot of the shows, I mean, a lot of these guys, um, you know, whether it's Willie McGinnis or Mike Silver, or, a lot of these guys are – you know, I mean, all of our reporters, they're all basically working it from home. And so, no, you know, yeah. nobody really has. Uh, in fact, we have a lot. We have a lot of uh, the NFL networks suits that are here kind of running the operations right here. They came in from L.A., but they 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 canceled all the flights to L.A. on our behalf only because they thought, OK, we could get to L.A. We may not be able to get back. So like a guy like Sean O'Hara lives in New Jersey. He was supposed to go to L.A. I was supposed to go to L.A. Um, you know, I'm. So, I mean, I think they've worked within all of the guidelines that have been laid out by the CDC and, and uh, you know, by the government right now. And we're sort of, you got one ear on all the news because that, that changes about as quickly as NFL free agency right now. So we've all kind of kept one ear on, on um, you know, the pandemic that we're all dealing with and then one eye and ear on free agency. So I think we've done a pretty good job of getting everything out from the guys that really kind of know what this is all about and trying to get this information to the fans without all sitting in a room together the way we normally would do it. Well, you guys are doing a great job. And uh, thanks from uh, this fan and many fans out there for providing a great distraction, great content, great sports content when none of it's being played, Baldy. I think uh, sports fans in this country, there's a big void for a lot of us right now. Sports are, are a lot of our lives and it's a lot of our identities and to not have it but to have you guys kind of charging up the hill and bringing it, we all appreciate it. Well, yeah, thanks, Jason. I mean, I, I, I came in early this morning. I started doing some breakdowns on some of the players that are out there. I mean, go look at Chris Harris Jr. and Bashad Breeland and some of these guys and, you know, uh, Javon Hargrave. I mean, just take a look at some of these guys and what they did the last few years and, you know, just trying to provide a little bit more content for people to look at since they've got more free time and, you know, most people aren't at work right now or they're working remotely, so they've got more free time. And so, yeah, I mean, we're just trying to all get through it together. And I think this has been a healthy distraction, you know, whether that's the right thing or wrong thing, Jason, I feel that way about it. But I'm also a football guy, so I never get too far away from it. Well, no question. Uh, Baldy, uh, great job on episode two. Another fun episode. We'll bring you another one next week. Uh, if you're listening, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever service you use. Leave us a rating and review as well. Baldy, this was a lot of fun. We'll do it again next week. And who knows what lies ahead, uh, both in our world and obviously the world of football, which is ever changing. It is changing quickly on all fronts here. So we'll be on top of all the chase. Good to be with you. Thanks. I look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening, everybody.